Well, good morning. How are we? This is a great day today. This is going to be so much fun. This is the highlight of the year uh, for Vertical Life Church. Today is a special day because today is Baptism Sunday. Now, if you have a church background, church tradition, you're probably used to baptism in one form or another. We like to do it a little differently. We make a party out of this thing because it's an exciting thing. And, uh, and so if you're a guest with us here today, uh, we want to thank you for coming. But we also want to invite you to come and be with us for our baptism service. We're going to have food and uh, well, there's a large pond where if you've got kids, they can come swim. And it's just a good time uh, to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of those they call VLC or Vertical Life Church Home. And so we invite you to do that. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor here. And for those of you that are guests with us, I want to just let you in on a little secret. We believe everyone matters to God. Everyone. So there's not a perfect person in the room. Nobody earned the right to be in this place today. We're on the same boat. We all get to God through one and only way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And he gave his life for you. Because you matter. And so we hope you feel that today. You understand that today in this place. And if you uh, didn't stop by the VIP table on the way in, please stop by on the way out. Uh, fill out a connection card and uh, turn that in. And we've got a gift for you. We've got a swag bag full of all sorts of good stuff in there. Um, and it'll give you some information about the church. Um, again, I, I said today we're talking about baptism or today's Baptism Sunday. We're taking a break from our uh, series that we've been in about a year now. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to take a break from Matthew uh, today to talk about baptism, what it means, and why we do it. Because sometimes we just go through the motions. This is just something that we do, we see, we experience, but we don't really think about the meaning or, or why we do what we do. And, and so, like I said earlier, many faith traditions have different ways of practicing baptism. Uh, some believe it's actually necessary to be saved, like you can't get to heaven unless you're baptized. Some believe it's a symbol, it's symbolic. It's not really something you have to do, but it's just something good to do. Some churches baptize infants, some only baptize adults, some sprinkle the water, some dunk you under and hold you down until they make sure all the sin's gone. You know, it just depends on your church. Uh, and, um, and some churches... Do it like this.
So some people do it like that. That's funny. I was on America's Funniest Home Videos. I would think back to the time I was baptized, and I think if I had tried to do that, if I had attempted that, I would not be standing before you today. My parents would have killed me. Uh, my parents were on staff at the church. Uh, they were ministers of the, the place that, in the uh, time that I was baptized. But, uh, you know, if I had won the 150K through AFV, I think they would have been okay with it maybe later on. But, uh, yeah, that just wouldn't have gone well in my home. Uh, my baptism wasn't that funny, but I look back on it now, and for me back then, it was actually a little bit more embarrassing. Um, when I was uh, younger, uh, I was, when I was baptized, it was much like the first kid in the video. It's nice and serene, soft. Uh, the, my uncle was the pastor, and he asked, you know, did you accept Jesus as your Savior? And I said yes, and I went down, and I came back out, the whole nine. But uh, before we had even gotten to church, my parents trusted me with packing my own bag to change my clothes in after it was all over. We, you know, we put robes on, we went down, and then we would have to change back into our church clothes. And so my, uh, I think my mom told me to make sure I packed some clothes to change into afterwards. And so I did. I packed my clothes. But I forgot one important detail. I forgot to pack a change of underwear. And so after I was soaking wet, coming out of the baptistry, out of the tub, I went to the bathroom and the locker room to change my clothes, and I'm going through my bag, and I realize there's no underwear in here. This is a crisis because there's no way I was going commando at eight or nine years old. It just wasn't going to happen. I just was not comfortable with that. So I had the genius idea, well, I'll just leave my underwear on and I'll put my clean, dry clothes over top. It just so happens I brought khaki pants with me uh, to change into. And so my underwear soaked through my khaki pants. And if any of you ever had a family member that was involved in church at all when you're younger, they tend to stick around for a long time after the service is done. And so for about an hour or so, I'm there with soaked through pants, and my brother was making fun of me relentlessly. And so it was an embarrassing moment in my life. But I look back now and uh, kind of chuckle about that. Uh, and uh, so th things happen. Things can be eventful when you're young. But... Uh, uh, today, I look back at the time I was baptized, and I think about that moment. And I remember when I was baptized, I believed in Jesus. I believed he was the Son of God. I believed he died for my sin, and I wanted to go to heaven. And so I made that decision to accept him as my Savior. I knelt down beside my bed, and my, my father led me in a prayer, and I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart. And uh, one of the things I knew about baptism when I was younger is that that's just something you did at church after you accept Jesus. You accept Jesus, then you get baptized. And my brother had been baptized. Several kids I looked up to had been baptized. And so now that I had accepted Jesus, I wanted to be baptized. That was just the way it was. But the thing is, is that even though I knew that's what you did, I had no idea really that by being baptized, what I was saying to God and what I was saying to the rest of the world, because I thought it was just something you did. You get saved, you get baptized as a Christian. And I was taught from a young age that baptism was necessary. It's something that you should do for a believer in Jesus Christ. But now, as I've been able to study the Word of God and, and have grown in my faith, I also understand the symbolic nature of the tradition. And so today, in honor of our baptism at the beach Sunday, we're going to talk about baptism, the necessity of baptism, and the symbolic nature of baptism in preparation of our services later on. 
And so the first thing I want to answer, or the question I want to answer is, why is baptism necessary? You know, we have all these different views, all these different practices, but really, why do Christians do it? Why is it even a part of our faith? Why is it necessary? And the simple answer is, it's because it's a command from Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus says in verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is after he died on the cross and is now risen from the dead. He's getting ready to go back to heaven. Verse 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This passage of Scripture, this command, is what many call the Great Commission. This is why the Church of Jesus Christ exists. This is it. This is the whole reason why we meet week after week and why we work together, worship together, study together, pray together. This is the mission of the church, to make disciples. And, and as Vertical Life Church was forming, we took the mission of Jesus here, this great commission that is really the mission for every church, and we kind of rephrased it for us. And this is how we rephrased it. We said that we exist, Vertical Life Church exists to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. And in our mission statement, that part where we say we exist to engage people, that's the part where we are going into all the world and preaching the gospel. We're sharing the love of Christ with people. We're meeting needs with people to open that door to be able to share our faith, to see as many people as we can accept Jesus as Christ the Lord, as their Lord and Savior. And then that second part, leading them to become fully developed followers of Jesus Christ, that begins with baptism. That begins with obeying Christ's command, that very first command. You want to be a disciple? Okay, now you become baptized. And then after a person is baptized, we partner with the Holy Spirit's work in their life to help them grow in faith, to repent of sin, to make changes in their life, to help them live a God-honoring life, to live according to his will and plan. And so this is why we exist. Every ministry we have, every service we conduct is for that very reason, to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples of every nation. So the necessity of baptism comes simply from being obedient to the Lord. If you want to follow Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to what? Obey me. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that you are truly my disciples if you remain in the truth, if you follow my teachings. And so baptism on the onset, the necessity of it comes from just that decision. You want to be a follower of Christ? Well, then you are baptized to show you're a follower of Jesus Christ. This is the very first thing we do when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's an act of obedience. But the decision to obey Christ in baptism carries with it a heavy weight of symbolism. Many have said a picture speaks a thousand words, where baptism speaks volumes as well. It's more than just saying, I want to be a Christian. So what does baptism mean? Baptism is a symbolic gesture of a deep spiritual truth. First, the word baptize alone comes from the Greek word. The New Testament was written in the Greek language. And in bapti baptize or baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo which means to dip repeatedly, to immerse. 
to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, or to, and this is my favorite word, to overwhelm. Baptized means to be overwhelmed. And I love that it says overwhelmed because the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you go from being an enemy of God to being a friend and a child of God. You go from being on the wrong side of life to being deeply immersed in the love and hope of Jesus Christ. You become overwhelmed with his love and kindness towards you as the Spirit of God comes to live in your heart, bringing you from death into life. But in its most literal sense, this word baptized means to submerge. So even though different churches practice baptism differently, biblically, submerging underwater is the proper mode of baptism. It's just what it means. In biblical times, people were baptized to show that they were leaving their old way of life and joining a new creed or a new way of life. Their allegiance was now to a new uh, um, belief or teaching. Many people would go and study under uh, philosophers and teachers in the Judea, uh, Jewish religion, and they would be baptized by that teacher, showing now they're going to be uh, following or putting their allegiance in that teacher. But for the Christian, baptism is more than just saying, I'm going to follow uh, this new creed. Baptism, number one, is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of God's work in your heart. See, as you go down underneath the water, it represents being united in the death of Jesus Christ, being dead to your sins. And when you come out of the water, it symbolizes being raised with him to new life through his resurrection. It's a picture of the salvation process, what made salvation possible. Uh, Paul, to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, and this is our key verse today, Paul says this, he says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. See, it's a picture of salvation. Jesus died for our sins and was raised to life, uh, having victory over the power of sin and death. And likewise, when we are baptized, it's a picture of his death and resurrection. It's a picture of salvation. So just as the Lord's Supper symbolizes the death of Christ, baptism symbolizes the gift of God through Jesus Christ to those who believe in him. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but God's gift is eternal life. And that's the picture of baptism, that we are raised to new life, to eternal life. Baptism is a picture of salvation. But baptism also represents repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. It's a personal decision to repent of your sins. That means to turn away. When God calls something out as sin or, when you're, or it's revealed to you that you're sinning or living a sinful lifestyle, a child of God making a decision to repent turns away from that lifestyle, turns away from that action and, and those things in your life to follow God's will and plan. And so the first part of baptism is repentance. The second part is faith, that we trust in faith in the Son of God, his work on the cross to forgive us of our sins. John the Baptist, he was Jesus' cousin. His ministry uh, took off before Christ was ever on the scene, and he was baptizing people in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And in Mark chapter uh, 
1, verse 4, this is what Mark in his gospel reveals was the symbolic nature of baptism as John was baptizing. Mark 1, 4 says, The messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, and he preached the people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Baptism not only is a picture of salvation, but what it symbolizes is you telling the world that you're choosing to repent of your old ways, your sinful ways, and in turn, turn to God in faith for forgiveness. And Jesus also emphasizes this very same importance about baptism in Mark 16, 16. Mark 16, 16, Jesus says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But if anyone refuses to believe, will be condemned. And here the Lord, as he's speaking of baptism, he focuses on this word belief. This verse is centered on belief. So you cannot have a true faith, a true belief, without the evidence of a changed heart, a changed mind, change in action. This is what repentance is. It's aligning your mind with what God says is true. It's aligning your heart with desiring to follow God, and it's aligning your life with living according to what God's will and plan is. True faith in Christ begins with recognizing, first and foremost, you are a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. None of us are on par with God. We have failed his standard. We are all sinners. And so to have true faith in Christ, it begins at that very simple place of recognizing you are a sinner. Recognizing God's standard is far above anything you've been able to measure up to. And then you make a choice to turn away from living a sinful life as you trust in Jesus' sacrifice as payment for your sins. You see, baptism is an outward act that should reveal an inward reality. It's an outward act that should reveal something that's going on inside of your heart. See, Jesus said, unless you believe, you will be condemned. He didn't say, unless you, you are baptized, you'll be condemned. He says, unless you believe, which means baptism alone cannot save you. It will profit you nothing unless it is the result of true faith, God's work in your heart. Faith that begins at repentance of sin and then centers on walking in faith toward Jesus Christ. James, in his letter to the church, he said, faith without works is dead. Which means you can say, I'm a Christian, but if your life doesn't reflect that belief, then what good is saying you are a Christian? Faith without works is meaningless. And likewise, a faith without repentance is not a true faith. Paul, in his letter to Titus, in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, here's what Paul says to Titus. He says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. This is an important statement. This is a powerful statement that Paul is making to Titus. You see, Jesus didn't just die to offer us forgiveness. 
But he died so that the power of sin over us could be broken. That means addictions that you struggle with, things that you feel enslaved to, casual sins, lifestyle sins, big sins, and small sins. His death was given for us. His life was given for us so that the power to overcome our sinful struggles, no matter what they may be, even what seems impossible, that we can be set free because nothing is too hard for God. And his sacrifice was given to pave the way for our victory, for our deliverance. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, 16, that if we walk after the Spirit of God, we walk according to our faith, we will not fulfill the desires of our flesh, which are our sinful desires. Walking in the Spirit means walking away from sin towards God's holy standard. We will be able to overcome our sin because we'll be walking in the power of God that was provided through the death of of Jesus Christ. This is an important thing. Sometimes we make the same mistakes over and over again, or we're like, man, why do I keep doing that? You know, I have no hope of ever changing. This is just useless. Why do I keep trying? But that is a lie from the pit of Satan, because here the word of God says God has set you free from that. God has set you free from those sins, from those struggles. And the answer is walking in faith through the Holy Spirit after God, not continuing to pursue your sin. Verse 14, he said, he gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You see, there was a story in the New Testament. This man comes to Jesus. He was a rich man, and he was all proud of himself. He's like, man, I've got all this stuff down. I've, I, I kept the law of Moses. I, you know, I'm a pretty good person. So he comes to Jesus, and he says, good master, good teacher, what else do I have to do to get into heaven? And Jesus makes a statement. He says, why do you call me good? There's no one else good but God. And Jesus makes that statement because he's trying to get the man to realize what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you're calling me good but don't really think I'm good, then you're wasting my time. But if you're calling me good and you think I'm good, what you're saying is that I'm on par with God. And so that what I have to say is important. And here Paul is telling Titus that a changed heart, a repentant heart, a life that has true faith is one that is totally committed to doing good deeds. That means actions and behaviors that are on line with God's holy standard, the level of good that is on par with Jesus' will and desire for our life. So even though we wrestle with so many sin issues and struggles, we make mistakes every day. We're in this sin-cursed flesh until the day Jesus Christ comes back and and frees us from this once and for all. We are in a tug of war between what our flesh wants and what the Spirit wants. We have a promise of God that if we pursue the Spirit, if we pursue faith in Christ, we will be set free. We will overcome. And in Jesus' day, this was his word to the church. But the good news is, is that the power of God is just as powerful today as it was yesterday and the day before. His power is no less powerful to deliver us from our sins in our day and age. His power is available and ready to help you break free from the things you struggle with. So what changes in us or should change in us when we choose to repent and place our faith in Jesus Christ is the desire to sin. And the defiant nature we have towards 
repentance. Scripture says that before we knew God, we were enemies with God, that no one is righteous, no one even sought after God. It wasn't until God revealed himself to us that we were even drawn to find out who he was. So there's this defiant nature with our sinful nature that doesn't want to repent, that wants to go our own way, but a true child of God, one that has placed their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, will be one who will not pursue sin any longer, but will be drawn to repentance because they know a repentant heart is the kind of heart that God desires. Psalm 51, 17, David says, he says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. This is what God desires from his people. People that turn away from their sin to follow Jesus Christ. You see, when true faith occurs, not just religious confession or not just religious affiliation, but when true faith occurs, a cleansing comes. A cleansing of the mind, a cleansing of the heart, a cleansing that leads us away from following our sinful desires and moves us toward living a life that honors the Lord. We will have a new desire. Paul calls this the new nature. Something in us that desires to live righteously and let God's love shine through us. And as our faith grows, so will our lives in reflection to God's will for us. It doesn't mean we become perfect. There are no perfect people. But that means we live for a purpose. It means when we are faced with our sin, we turn towards Jesus in repentance. See, baptism ultimately is a decision that testifies to your desire to live a holy life of faith dedicated to Jesus Christ. Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, writing to the church of Rome, he says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives... He lives for the glory of God. And so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. If you are a child of God, you are not what you once were. And so you shouldn't live as you once were. Faith begins with repentance, and then forgiveness comes as we place our faith and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If there is no repentance, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 7 that what we've actually experienced is not faith, but worldly sorrow. We might feel bad about our sin. We might feel bad that we've done wrong, but there's nothing in us really desiring to change. We make excuses, we make justifications, and continue to live as we were, feeling guilty about what we desire not to change. But true repentance brings a change of heart, a change of mind, 
and a change of life. Genuine repentance leads us away from sin and into a God-honoring life. Worldly sorrow means there's no repentance. No repentance, no faith. And no faith means your baptism is in vain. And this is why we don't baptize infants. This is why at Vertical Life Church, we don't baptize small children. Because until a child reaches a certain age where they can cognitively uh, understand what they're doing, what they're committing to, what they're, what they're doing by placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then they can't really recognize their need to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ. See, biblical baptism always comes after the decision of faith to trust in Christ and follow him occurs, never before. It comes after. See, baptism cannot save you. It is the faith that saves you. Baptism is the symbol of salvation and the work of repentance and faith in your life. In the book of Acts, an apostle of Jesus Christ named Philip, uh, after uh, the persecution of the church began to unfold, he kind of skedaddles to Samaria, and he goes there to preach the gospel. And many people come to faith. And the Holy Spirit comes on Philip and starts doing these great signs and wonders. And there was a local sorcerer there who had great power was known for his dark power. And he comes and he sees what Philip's doing, and he comes to Christ. He confesses Jesus as his Lord and Savior and gets baptized. And while this is going on, Peter and John come to Samaria to join Philip in his work. And as Peter and John and Philip were ministering together and the Holy Spirit is doing these great miraculous works, uh, these miracles of God, Simon sees what they're doing, and he asks a question. He asks Peter... Hey, how much is it going to cost me? And Peter's like, what do you mean? Well, it cost you what? He's like, I want that power too. I want the power that you have. How much is it going to cost me to have that power too? And when he asks Peter this question, Peter responds in Acts chapter 8, verse 21. Here's what Peter says to Simon the sorcerer. He says, you can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. You see, in this story, Simon had already confessed Christ. He had already been baptized. But his life, his behavior, his words, his attitude revealed that what he was confessing was inauthentic. That he was going through the motions to get something, not give something. This is why Jesus said baptism is not enough. You must believe. Because if you really believe what you say you believe, it's going to affect the way you live. A person who believes will live out their faith, not to get from God, but to give to God. They're going to give him what he wants, and that is their whole heart. That's what God wants from you, is your whole heart. The first and greatest commandment that Jesus said is to love the Lord your God with all your, what is it? Heart all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He wants you to love him with everything you are. That's what he wants from you. In a life that lacks repentance, loves themselves more than they love the Lord your God. Baptism represents salvation. Baptism represents repentance and faith. But number three, baptism also represents being united with the church of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, 2 through 6 Paul, in his letter to the church of Ephesus, says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united 
in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Baptism not only represents salvation and repentance and faith, but it represents a person being adopted into the family of God and being united with the church of Jesus Christ. And as a member of the church, we work together in unity to build each other, to encourage one another, to bear each other's burdens, to hold each other accountable for living a God-honoring life. But together, we fulfill the mission of the church, which is to engage people where they are and lead them to become fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. Becoming a follower of Jesus makes you part of a bigger story. It places you in the church, the assembly of God, that's on mission to bring hope to the world. And as God gifts you, the scripture says, when you place your faith in Christ, he sends his spirit into your life. And he gives you giftings and talents and abilities, special purposes for special ministry to strengthen the church. But also, he places others in your life who have been gifted and strengthened to help you in your spiritual life, in your spiritual journey. We become part of a bigger story. See, it's through baptism that we recognize that we are a family of imperfect people working for the same purpose, to honor Jesus, to live holy lives, and share the love of Jesus Christ with those who are far from him. Baptism is a solemn and a special step. It's your first act of worship as you place your faith and trust in Christ. On the day day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, The day the church was unleashed with the power of the Spirit of God into the world, the disciples stand before a multitude, and Peter, who just days before denied he even knew Jesus Christ, was in fear and in shame, stands before the multitude and preaches one of the most epic sermons ever recorded. And he starts out by saying, Repent and be baptized, because salvation has come. And that salvation that Peter was proclaiming is salvation that's made possible to all. And when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you receive that salvation, God gives us a taste of what is to come, what is in store in eternity for those who believe. And as we pursue a relationship with Jesus, God leads us into that abundant life that Jesus came to provide for us while he was here. Repentance and faith open the door for God to lead you into the blessings he's prepared for you. Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live, wrote most of the New Testament. Before he became a Christian, he was known by the name of Saul of Tarsus, and he was a murderer of Christians. He was an egregious sinner, and later in one of his letters, he even called himself the chief of all sinners. In other words, the worst sinner who's ever lived. That's what Paul thought of himself. But as Paul or Saul was heading down the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with Jesus Christ and his life has changed. That encounter left him blind. And during that encounter with Christ, Jesus told him to wait in town and he was going to send someone to help him. And while he's working with Saul and giving Saul his instructions, Jesus also appears to a man named Ananias. And Ananias is told to go to Damascus, find Saul, lay your hands on him and pray for his healing and he'll receive his sight. So Ananias, feeling a little afraid because this is 
the Christian terrorist. This is the guy that has been hunting everyone down, is, is there, but he obeys the Lord, and he goes, and he sees Saul. He lays his hands on Saul. He prays for Saul, and Saul is healed. And the moment Saul is healed, Ananias says something to Saul. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, he says, What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And I echo those same words today. I say to everyone who is here under the sound of my voice, those who maybe have been attending Vertical Life Church or, and you've yet to repent of your sins and give your lives to Jesus, those who maybe are on the fence with their faith, don't really know what to believe in, but deep down you know in your heart you need to make a decision to trust in Jesus. I echo those words of Ananias today. I'm going to ask you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Salvation has come. Hope is here. Eternal life can be yours. And today you can make the most important decision of your life. Today you can accept the salvation of our God. Turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've been a Christian your whole life. You've believed in Jesus, but you've just never been baptized. Today you can honor the Lord in obedience. You can be baptized today. In just a little while when we gather at the beach, you can come and make that decision. You can bring your life into the will of God as you confess that you belong to the Lord. Baptism is necessary for obedience. Baptism symbolizes the work of salvation on the cross. Baptism represents our decision to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ. And baptism represents the uniting into a bigger story to the church of Jesus Christ. And today, that call is out to you. For those who have yet to take that step of faith, what are you waiting for? Let's bow in this place today. As we go into an attitude of prayer, as we're quiet before the Lord, if you've never trusted in Jesus today, you've never made that decision, you've never just said, okay, God, I'm all in. Right now, you can make the decision that will change your life forever. Paul in Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can make that confession today by praying this simple prayer with me right here in this moment. Just pray with me. Say, Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I trust in Jesus today and his death and resurrection. He is now my Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord now and forever. Take me, Lord. I'm yours, in Jesus' name.